Hi guys, welcome to Nevermind Polly episode number, I think we're either 11 or 12, but in any case we are season number 2 and we're kicking it off strong. I've got Reese on the line, hey Reese, how are you buddy? I'm good, very good, good uh, how are you? Oh mate, I'm absolutely wonderful, it's chucking it outside, but um, yeah, it's been good, I woke up, went and had breakfast, it was glorious, and yeah, it's, it's, all, been, it's all been good. How's life in Wales? It's good. It's quite the contrast. It's actually very sunny here, oh, but cold. So that's a first. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's very, very exciting because we have a guest. Finally, we have a guest on the podcast, and this is a kind of a trial run of how this is going to work. But it's a, it's a gentleman I've wanted to have on the podcast for a long time. Um, it is Mr. Andy Rutherford. How are you, bro? Hey, mate. How's it going? How's it going, guys? Yes, we're all good. We're all good. How's life in uh, in Middlesbrough? Not bad, not bad. I think we're on the the brink of a, a local lockdown, so oh, <laughs> um, so yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. But <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Other than that, really good. The weather is terrible though. It's like just been so windy last couple of days. But a local lockdown doesn't really bother me much because I work from home uh, yeah. and I don't really leave the house anyway. So yeah, all, all good. <laughs> have you been, have you been coping with the lockdown? Then is it is it been all right for you guys? Because I've just found it just like it's not been too bad. It's just been boring. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, it's kind of, uh, to begin with, it was kind of like, okay, we've got a few weeks off work, and then it sort of just carried on and on and on, and I was like, oh, this is, you know, it's getting a bit much now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not been too bad for us. I mean, I'm quite uh, lucky that my wife and I both work together for the same company. Yeah. So um, as soon as we went into, um, it was before lockdown, actually, we all went and um, our, our work spent loads of money on getting everyone laptops to work from home and things. So, oh, nice. yeah, we were quite lucky that uh, we, you know, we were set up straight from home straight away. Um, I think the worst thing that, well, I suppose I had a silver lining was that my daughter, she was in year 11. Yeah. So uh, my wife had um, COVID symptoms um, at the start of about mid-March. And um, so we all had to self-isolate and we didn't obviously realise that my daughter then had had her last day ever at school because uh, oh, obviously all the wow. schools are shut down. So, yeah, so she got caught up in all of the... Uh, GCSE debacle, but it worked out really well. She passed all of her GCSEs that she wanted, and meant she could go straight into level three on a, GC- on a college course. Awesome. Um, yeah, so that was pretty cool. But I mean, in regards to that, I think we're quite lucky. The fact that all three of us um, are very, very similar in our interests and things. So, literally, just before like um, joining you guys here, like we we're just watching Formula One. Uh, well, those two were playing that uh, Among Us. It's going mental at the moment. So you know, but then I was playing with them before that, and then we'll all, we'll all play Fortnite together. We've got board games, and we're all so similar. So really, we've kept each other company. So it's not actually been an issue, which is quite rare for like, you know, I'm 34, my wife's 36, and my daughter's 16. But all three of us were like a group of best mates. So it's been we've been really lucky that we've had this this like time to actually spend really decent family time together and like yeah so for us it's been good i know obviously for other people not so much but yeah for us it's, it's been all right good it's good okay it's been quite an interesting dynamic because we've got like obviously you say you're 30 you're 34 yourself i'm 27 and obviously race being the child of the group sorry buddy it's <laughs> just he's quite a young man being just turned 18 but um yeah it's, it's quite a nice perspective obviously one being from the east one being from the north and one being from from the West in that, in that regard, so it's quite nice to yeah. have a sort of different perspective. But uh, yeah, it's like as I said, these podcasts don't really have sort of a plan or a flow. We just sort of just chat about things, and obviously, yourself being a massive um, 
a fan of music and things, much like us, we wanted to get you on. And obviously, being a massive fan of your YouTube channel back in the day, um, it, it was it Six God back in the day, but it's now Soldier Seventy Six. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. I changed it because it, like Six God. I'm a massive Motley Crue fan, and I love Nikki Six. Um, and I, you know, when I was like sixteen, I thought Six God was like funny because I saw Nikki Six as a god, and like I thought it was funny <laughs> to to put it together with Sex God, and it was so embarrassing. And then I just thought. My daughter and I are both massive fans of um, Overwatch, and my, yeah. one of my favourite character in that yeah. is Soldier 76. So I still took the six part from Nikki Six and put that all together. So, yeah, so I kept that, and that was slightly less embarrassing to, to have because it made me cringe all the time, like wherever I saw it. And I'm like, I've every, got to change this now. Every time you bring it up, you just see that every time you think, ah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I had to change it because it was just making me cringe. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because I, I discovered you through um, the download video diaries and I must say like thank you for them because going because when I when I went to download in 2016 watching those videos kind of gave me a, a sort of a gauge of what the festival would be like if that yeah. makes sense on, on a completely like obviously reading it in Kerrang and Metal Hammer and all the rest of it is one thing but actually just seeing someone just record everything they see it kind of just put put me at ease I guess so and obviously I do that with my YouTube now and it's sort of one of the main one of the main inspirations, I guess, for, for doing it. So thank you very much, first and foremost. But, um, oh, no, thank you, thank you. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just really, really cool. But um, And obviously, Reese went to download for the first time this year, wasn't it? Well, the, yeah, the, was, the 2019 one. 20, yeah, I keep forgetting we're in 2020. We haven't had one this yeah. year. It's so <laughs> weird. It feels like this year. But um, yeah, because you, you haven't been for a couple of years now. Uh, are you planning to go back next year or...? Uh, I think we're going to be doing the Saturday. Is it what day? Is it? Whatever day Biffy Clyro is playing, I think we're yeah, doing that Saturday, day. Yeah, um, yeah. We weren't going to go this year because I wasn't a big fan of the lineup of us on it. If I'm honest, there's some yeah. really good bands in there. But I think is it uh, the Saturday or the day Biffy Clyro is on? There's some really good bands. I think you've got like obviously Biffy Clyro. I think Creeper on that day. I think Poppy. Or is, is yeah. that, she's uh, she's yeah. quite cool. I like her. Uh, I think. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of good bands on that whole day, so it's one of those days where you go and like, think of actually was going um, for the whole weekend. I think it's that day would be the best one. But yeah, just um, just trying to change it up a bit, trying to do a few other bits and pieces rather than just going to download all the time. Um, yeah, definitely. And it's yeah, so yeah, so we'll be, I'll be, we'll definitely be going on. I believe the Saturday uh, at the moment, but obviously it depends on how how things go. But it's looking that way. I mean, me and me and Reese have discussed on the podcast and said that it's not the most inspiring lineup in the world. But I am um, obviously just because of lockdown and not going to any festivals, any gigs. I've been rewatching obviously yours, mine, and other people's videos and stuff from download, and I just, I just like I need to go. Like I just got yeah. really sad. Like do you know what I mean? Just being <laughs> in a festival field with loads of people, you know. And I just, like, I just miss that, you know. I it's mm-hmm. it's, it's really sad with the, the whole um with the COVID and things, but I, I don't want to, I want to try and keep it as light as possible and not sort of yeah. go down that road too much, but it's, <laughs> but it's bloody hard, man. Like when, when it's, um, when it can be like that, it's, it's real bad. But yeah, I think when you go to gigs, it is, it is difficult when you go, so I know you go to a lot of gigs and we mm. go to loads of gigs and we've like had, um, every, I think the last gig, I, I can't believe we've actually been to, uh, between Slipknot, Interrupters and Bowling for Soup this year, no, and I can't no. believe we've actually seen three gigs um, in 2020, and then obviously then they all started, we actually had tickets to Poppy, who I believe was the first gig in the UK to actually get cancelled, yeah, really um, well. yeah okay. so yeah, it was a bit 
frustrating, but you know, it's one of those things. It's uh, it saves us money for next year. It doesn't mean because we've all of our gigs have been booked for next year again, so I don't spend yeah. as much. That's what I found with um, so I booked loads of gigs for what would have been this kind of summer, and now that money to me is dead money, so it's gone. And I've just gone and booked loads more gigs because <laughs> I just got they're all piling up now. So the more they get postponed, the more gigs I've got every year. So that's the silver lining, I guess. Yeah, that, that was the thing. I, I was meant to go to um, Mallorca in June, and obviously I got cancelled. So I sort of had like all this money, and I was like, "Well, what do I, what do I really, really want to go like on holiday?" And, um, so I went, I went to Paris just before lockdown, my birthday, and so end of February, start of March. Um, and I met, and uh, so I had sort of this holiday money of like eight hundred quid, and I was like, "Well, I've always really wanted to go to America, so I've been, oh, hopefully everything crossed. I'm going to New York in March." But again, whether that goes ahead, don't quite know. Yeah. But um, at the minute, if you book it and it gets cancelled because of COVID, it's just a saving mechanism, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 I think yeah. what you don't want to do is is get the refund and then put it back into like paying bills and stuff because that's just depressing. Yeah, you want to you want to do something with that money. Re- reinvest it, reinvest it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got a few questions and things just lined up, just because, uh, like I say, we've just for clarity, uh, me and Reese have actually met in person only once. I don't know, and me and Andy have sort of been in the same vicinity, but always seem to have like crossed paths, but never quite caught at the same time. If you see what I mean? So, yeah, I walked past you literally. I was um, I can't remember what year it was at download, and like. Um, <laughs> I'd forgotten, I was about to do a, start my vlog and stuff, and I remembered I left my car, my, sorry, my camera in the car, yeah. and I was like in a rush, because that's when they started letting people in, so I had to run back to the car, and I, I ran past you, I was like, of all the times to see you, like, <laughs> it's, uh, but this is actually like the first time we've actually spoken to each other as well, like other than on like chatting on Facebook, but like, it's actually the first time we've actually spoken like properly, so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's cool, man, it's really cool. Um, I was going to say, what, what was the, so... As I say, you're, you're, the, you're the guinea pig in terms of having a guest on. So if if it sort of a, it gets a bit convoluted and a bit crazy, just bear with us. But um, no just the first sort of question: What was the first sort of band or artist that really got you into sort of either rock or metal? What was the first inspiration you found to do with music? Because obviously it's a massive part of your life and and your family as well. Um, I think like growing up, my mum and my dad always listened to a lot of. Um, rock like uh, T-Rex and um, stuff and even like the Kinks going back a bit further and I'm still a huge fan of the Kinks and like if you listen to if you listen to the Kinks early stuff it's it's really heavy like if you actually listen to it you think god it's actually like it's not the typical sort of 60s music uh, which I also love by the way but the Kinks are actually much much more heavier than I actually sort of give them credit for so um, they were quite a big band sort of as I was growing up and then um, I think the um well, it was my mum met uh, someone uh, who who was actually he loved all like glam metal and stuff like that, and then uh, so he got me into like Motley Crue, um, who were like they were the first band I ever saw live, and they were the first band I think I was actually no Placebo was the first band I actually was uh, obsessed with. Uh, I absolutely loved Placebo, and then went on to Motley Crue, um, who. Um, they were the first band I actually bought like all the merch for all the albums. You know, I went to see them when they came back in uh, 2005 and stuff. So, yeah. So I think over the years, I think I've been quite lucky that I've sort of grown up with it. And then like uh, with my daughter, I sort of instilled that into her as well. So like, I haven't forced it on her. Just like slowly but surely, just been playing music like around her and stuff. And uh, um, yeah, we have the same 
um, tasting music. I mean, all three of us, our favourite band is Creeper. Um, yeah, and we've, all, we've been to Creeper gigs. Um, like, you know, like we'll, you know, it's, it's really rare for us all to like, um, to all love the same music. Uh, and like, you know, we all go to the festivals together, you know, so yes, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. But yeah, I think like I said, I'm quite lucky that my mum and dad had like quite a good taste in music and that sort of like, and then when I got into my own age, I was like kind of growing teenagers. I sort of went off and like to sort of discovered all sort of stuff by myself, which was, uh, which was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I was, I had a very similar experience sort of, um, my dad listened to a lot of, uh, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Rush, all of that kind of classic rock stuff. And then as I hit high school, I sort of found my own way into the more uh, murky side of the more metal side of, of, of music and things. And now I've come sort of full circle where when I was a kid, my dad would listen to like Radiohead and things. And I'm like, nah, it's too weird for me. But now I totally get it. And I totally appreciate it for what it is. Because I think we draw, sometimes people draw up these boundaries and battle lines and say you can't like this if you like that you know i think yeah. for example Billie eilish is one of the most inspiring artists going at the minute just because Definitely. she's not yeah. into rock or metal she's more rock and metal than some rock and metal bands in my opinion because she is just so cut edge and because she's yeah. like so ahead of the curve so and but i just think it's silly when people do that but um yeah, it's really cool that you've, like you say, you've brought um, brought Kelsey in into it as well, but not not subjectively pushed it on her as well. So it's kind of nice because sometimes, like you know, you could you could have brought her up listening to that stuff, and she could have just turned around and go, "Nope, that's not for me," and that would have been fair enough. But obviously, like yeah. you say, she's she's chosen the right path, as they say. Yeah, <laughs> she came to the dark side. We've got <laughs> it's weird hearing all that because I my journey into like this kind of music like rock metal and stuff was just it wasn't from anyone i kind of discovered it naturally from like realizing that before maybe like year 10 in school i listened to music just for the sake of it just for what everyone else was listening to and then i kind of got into i think i heard a fallout boy song which is a weird entrance into rock and metal um hooked on that didn't know what else, where to go from there kind of just listen to them and a bit of Oasis randomly. And then I randomly discovered Tool, which <laughs> is a really, I, it's I a still, really weird... I still can't understand how you went from uh, Fallout Wood to Tool. That's a, mad, <laughs> that's a mad jump. And then I went from Tool to Slipknot, so it's all weird jumps, but it all came together to just like in a massive variety of music. I remember the, fir- the first uh, proper... I remember the first moment that I was like, this is something that I... Obviously, you had my dad listen to the music he listened to, and I enjoyed some of it. Um, but I remember getting uh, the Brits album, 2003, and I think it was on the second disc, first song was All My Life by the Foo Fighters. And just that, you know, obviously, if you know that song, that there's the uh, guitar intro, and it's really softly spoken, and then he just goes mental like, as it hits the, hits the uh, stride. And I just remember just going, yeah, this is a bit of me. I don't know what it is, but it's a bit of me. <laughs> it make, it's music that makes you feel something, and that's when you kind of realise. If music hasn't made you feel something before that moment, as soon as you hear something like that, you're hooked for life, I think. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, so you've spoken about your, your love for Creeper, and Reese is a recent convert to Creeper. He, he's, he's heard me banging on about him for so long, he, <laughs> he finally got round to listening to the album. But um, have you listened to the second album yet, mate? Uh, yeah, loads. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, well, I, I have now. Yeah, it's 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 di- quite different from the uh, tune in your arms. But it's, I was just—I uh, wanted to gauge your reaction. He's like, 
it's different. <laughs> but I think I prefer it in some way. Ooh, okay. Um, I'm not sure if... I, I love it. Like, I love it, love it, love it. But I'm not sure if I prefer it. I don't know. It's because it's such a, it's, such a jump and contrast. But I, I like that kind of um, that Bowie style on the album, though. It's, it's really, God, I, I love that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's I, I it's very different. But I, yeah, I personally, I do think I prefer it. But I don't know if you can compare them. Yeah, that's so, what I, was I think. Say. Yeah, it's because they are so different. I remember when I actually first listened to it a few times, and I actually tweeted at group and I said like. The latest album, like the new, the other album, um, Turning Your Arms, sounded new and fresh. And this one else obviously sounds new and fresh. There's a lot of cool ideas. And I said, but it almost sounds like I've discovered, I've been going through my, uh, my mum and dad's vinyl collection and pulled out this, this old German thing. So like, yeah. that's how it made me feel. Like the first one was really good. So it was new and fresh, as I said, but you know, the, the feeling that of like listening to this one, it felt like almost it's been with us for years, which is like, a, like a quite an amazing sort of thing they did with it. And like you said, it's, um, you know, the Bowie, very Bowie-esque and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. I think. I it, think. Is it, oh, oh, go on, Rick, go on. We will. We're doing the World Cup of Rock now on the side. So oh, when God, it's released, yeah. um, it should have been done. But um, basically, we didn't realise how big of a band Creeper is in terms of their sound and how good they are until we started doing it. Like they were knocking out some of the big hitters and that just by how good they are. Yeah, they they sadly went out in the last round to Metallica, but. To be fair, I think most bands would go out to Metallica, bless them. <laughs> it was, yeah. I fought really hard and, and Reese was like, you can't, you can't, mate, Master of Puppets. And I'm like, I know, I know. Like, it's not fair. <laughs> yeah, it's. I can imagine that like being a difficult decision. I mean, like you said, I don't think you can, as much as you'd want to. Maybe in like 10 years' time you probably could, but I don't think you could now. Yeah, I mean, did, yeah. obviously you've seen them a few times. Did you go to the London show? Uh, when they, no. The, 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 the end one, I was going to say... I went to the Shepherd's Bush show, um, which was the one where they uh, had the stranger with the with the glowy eyes at the back, and it was all based on the World South- Southampton Fair. And that, honestly, in so I'd done a, a list of my favourite bands that I'd seen in 2017, and I'd seen Sabbath that year, Metallica that year, and Maiden, and they beat them all. Because, <laughs> honestly, that, that show was so full of theatrics and just so fucking brilliant like do you know what i mean I, yeah. it's not often like i'm, I'm I, I try to think that i was, i'm not too much of an emotional guy but like i was just crying throughout the entire show but like so happy i was like this is just so brilliantly well put together and um i actually ran into um stephen hill of uh metal hammer and that's not metal and all that fame and he was a really mm. nice guy so i kind of in my evening so <laughs> <laughs> I've met him a few times now, and he's always been like lovely. So yeah. he's always, except for the one time when it was in Download 2016, and it was absolutely pissing it down, <laughs> and he was fuming. I said, I was like, oh yeah, just turn up and stuff, and he was like, I'm just pissed off at this, mate. I was like, all right, I'll leave you alone, man. But yeah, he was. Uh, <laughs> I would that every time I've, I've met him. I said quite a few times now, uh, just randomly at Download or. Um, I think I bumped into him at Black Sabbath at Hyde Park. Um, nice. Yeah, he's always been quite. Uh, quite cool. Yeah, he's a cool, cool, cool geezer for sure. I ju- I think um, with Creeper, they're just they're just they're just a special band, and with the way the music industry and everything to do with COVID and stuff, they're one of the bands I really worry about. I'm like, you know, when you see bands, I'll try. I don't want to slate any bands, like, but the the big bands that make mediocre music in rock and metal who just continue to exist 
and yet you'll see Creeper who will maybe fall by the wayside and you think that's just not fair. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah I, I do I do worry about bands like that. Although, um the drummer's left or quit or something. Something's yeah. gone. I don't know if you knew anything about that. I saw on Twitter no. they released a statement, didn't they? Yeah, oh, they literally just said, you know, that he, uh, Dan Bratton's no longer with the band. Um, I went onto the download forums and, um, you know, I've been on there and I think, like, obviously a lot of people speculate and, like, um, which I won't go into anything here. Oh, yeah, for sure. So it's, uh, yeah, so it's a bit weird because obviously I think that the thing with Creeper, I think they've built a bit of a rod for their back when they, because they're so theatrical. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they've and they've been known to go missing a few times before, <laughs> even split up. Um, I think a lot of people at first were like, um, That's were that. like, oh, you know, it's yeah, it's yeah, it's it's, it's just them being them. But I think because nothing else has happened, it's been really quiet on that front. I just think it's one of those things where we just have to sort of like take it that it's happened, and like we're not going to find out what's happened. And at the end of the day, it isn't our, our business. But I can understand, like you know, because it, it was quite a blunt statement. Yeah, I felt, and it I was think, like I think that was what was the concerning thing. It was just it was so to the point and on the nose. It wasn't like you know he's left for personal reasons or family or you know we wish him all the best. It was just this is that, and I was like, oh, that sounds. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But again, I don't want to sit and speculate on it. But it's just I wonder if you'd have you know because I, I kind of saw it and then didn't really pay much attention after. I was like, oh, that's a bit sad because they do feel like a gang, you know. Yeah, and um, if you if you I'm assuming Andy you have, but if you haven't listened to um the podcast that they done um, I can't think off the top of my head what it's called. Let me just get. I have listened to it. <laughs> Do you know what it's called off the top of your head? Uh, oh um, gosh, no, I don't know. It's something like stories from the Infinite Void or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, uh, sex, death, the Infinite Void, the story of Creeper or something yeah. like that. Um, my God, that was a hell of a listen. Like, it was absolutely brilliant. I thought. Um, yeah. Yeah, it had, um, it was so, because I knew Ian had gone through, uh, just through like hearing things, obviously when you're like, like all of us like being quite close to the music scene mm. in terms of fans and stuff, like you do hear things, and I had heard he, he wasn't very well, but when you listen to it and hear, heard things, like he actually thought like he'd killed people with his mind sort of thing, like, and you know, he was like, he felt he was put on earth to save the world sort of thing, was, uh, it was really interesting, it was really moving, it was like really difficult to listen to, um, I, I started listening to it in bed and I had to turn it off, <laughs> listen to it a bit lighter because it was like, <laughs> it was really, really heavy to listen to, but it was, uh, yeah, it was so good, it was really well put together I thought, and it was, yeah, really interesting sort of hear how, you know what they all went through basically but yeah especially like ian um during that time it must have been so confusing i think so yeah it must have been awful and that's the thing i i you know if you if you thought if you no one had told you that this is real life you'd assume it's a story mm. and i just thought like when you when you when you said no actually this is someone's life and what they went through you just think my god it's just it's such a crazy thing and obviously i know um yourself you're a big advocate for mental health and things uh, yeah. as we are here on this podcast and me and Risa are personally as well you know it, it's important for people just just to open up and just have that conversation and again a lot of people carry around this this you know i am a man i am and it's a very british thing as well i think like a stiff upper lip and things and it's like it's yeah. just bollocks yeah. it's like you know when, when you look at the statistics of how many people we lose a year to you know mental health problems you just think just talk to people talk to anyone you know because as long as people are there to listen you know we can help you know we're not yeah. medical professionals but 
just unloading that burden on someone, you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, um, through work, I'm actually, well, uh, I'm a trained mental health first aider, uh, which is someone I actually hadn't heard of until they actually ran the program that's done through Mind, I think. Okay. Um, And it's literally... um, you know, so it's the same thing. Same thing as like normal first aid. If someone like has a heart attack or has, you know, breaks a bone or something, um, myself and like a group of other colleagues. Um, are, this isn't just work though. This is actually something of mind offered to everybody. So, yeah. in the event where someone is um, having like a mental crisis, um, I'm basically trained to sort of go in and, and help them. And um, you know, obviously I can't go into like details, but most of the people who yeah, I have so. spoken to have been male. Um, you know, and it's like it's um, and it is just and it's people like you wouldn't sort of like assume it was actually, you know, would have any issues, and it can be quite surprising that how many people really hold um, things to themselves. And like, yeah. like I've had friends who've um, have really gone downhill because of not wanting to sort of speak out, and they have wanted to speak out, but they've just felt because of the way they were brought up or, you know, like the people who they surround themselves with so they couldn't say anything. And I have seen it really sort of um, get to people and actually almost like destroy lives and things. And it, that can be quite difficult. So it's one of the reasons why I wanted to become the mental health first aider because it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's awful to watch. I think it does stem from, like, early life as a, you know, a British kid where you're always told uh, you feel rightly at the time to kind of man up and protect yourself hold your own but really in the real life in the real world not everything is about sticks and stones on the playground and a lot of stuff is about you know feelings and and, and real life situations where you can't man up and, and just like take it you have to you know speak out and say when you're in, in trouble and stuff but too many men especially keep it in and try and hold back what they're actually feeling as a as a almost a coping mechanism i think if i yeah. could if i could ban the word man up from existence I yeah would. i it's yeah. just it's such a it's a demoralizing phrase and it, it almost makes you feel like you're not enough and obviously i know you know i don't want to make this a gender divide thing but women do have more of a support bubble around them because of the nature and way they are in t- more in touch with their emotions, generally speaking, obviously, uh, and they have that more more of a support bubble. Whereas men just sort of we just don't talk like how women do. Yeah, and it's I, just it's so difficult sometimes. And know, sometimes to, I think the the men the support bubble for men tends to be like a football pitch or something like that, and that's not where you you, you tend to hear men get into their feelings. That can be seen as like a uh, weakness on like the football field or in the pub or something. So really, for for men, there's not really a place um, where majority of men can go and 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 feel comfortable to talk about their feelings and stuff. But that's the thing. I think I don't. I think it's you know it's not just saying you. I wouldn't. I mean, I would ring you up and just go, mate. I'm feeling like this. But even to just start that conversation, if you go, hey, how are you? And you just go, mate. You know what? I'm I'm really having a bad time. And like that just opens the door to that conversation because I think people are worried that you have to go so deep so quick in that regard and just spill your guts as it were. And you yeah. just you haven't just if someone asks you how you're feeling, just take a second to actually almost think about it and like, well, how am I feeling today? Oh, I feel this way, you know. And it just and nine times out of ten you'll find that you'll be surprised what the other person says because they might turn around and go, well, actually, me too. I feel, you know, this way. Or they might actually be more 
helping than you than you anticipated. You know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think it's just important just to get that message out there, especially in the in the times and we've got now with you know everything that's going on with with the uh, with the pandemic and also people just being so divided both politically and socially and everyone's you know I always say we're so connected but yet we can be so distant as well. You know, yeah. Well, have you seen that so uh, documentary on Netflix, The Social Dilemma? No, but no. it's on my to watch list. I have to say, yeah, it's 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 well worth watching. I mean, if I'm honest, there's not much you'll learn from it. If I'm honest, but it's uh, there was really something that was really interesting in that. It was like since social media, obviously, it's based on American uh, stats. Since social media, the division between the Democrats and the Republicans is yeah. is um, widened massively, and I feel that's the same definitely here between like let's just say just the two big ones, Labour and Conservatives. Yeah. Um, I've got mates that have um, voted Conservative, and I've got and I voted Labour, and my wife voted Labour. My wife voted Conservative before, uh, yeah. but this was way back when, and it wasn't like a big a big thing then. You know, so like at the time she felt looking at the uh, the manifesto, she was like, right, this is the best for me, you know, and uh, you know, and I'll make that one. I was like, right, you do what you want, but it wasn't like a, a big thing. But now you see on like Facebook, you see people going like, if you voted Tory, you can get the fuck off my Facebook, and I'm like, yeah, I do think that sometimes having a difference of opinion can open you up more to uh, to conversation. I mean, obviously, uh, but I think now. You can't have that because people are so um, divided. I think if anyone does anything, I mean, obviously the big thing that we're talking about at the moment is obviously all these stupid complaints being made about uh, diversity or and Alicia Dixon and uh, yeah. that uh, brilliant Matt Lucas sketch we're going to have a great British yeah. Bake Off the other day, <laughs> which is quality. But uh, it's that's so frustrating because, like, again, you know, like. Um, being from the left side of things, uh, you know, I see myself get called a snowflake a lot, and it, it's it's frustrating sort of thing. Right, all I want is for is for good stuff to happen to everybody. It doesn't matter who they are. Yeah, I want everyone to get along, and I want everyone everything to be good. And I know that's not always possible, but then like when you sort of try to stick up the stuff because you, you want equal rights for everyone, you're suddenly a snowflake, or because you believe in like things. Like obviously, I'm a massive uh, Formula One fan, um, and before this year started, I wasn't a fan of Lewis Hamilton at all. But now I'm a, a big fan of him because of everything he's doing for like Black Lives Matter and stuff. Yeah. But if you go on like the Formula One pages, he, he's getting absolutely torn apart from people going, oh, I used to be a fan, you know, why are you being political? Why are you doing this? And like, these people don't realise and I think it's that. But then you have other people coming in from both sides and it, and it is driving like a massive wedge and like, I don't think there's any room for conversation anymore. And I yeah. do feel like it is sort of building and building and building and it just isn't a case of like... Um, you know, I think it's the same as you said, uh, taking it back to music, that when we were younger, you know, I, I was like the same way. There was no, um, you know, like, I, I don't like you because, you know, you like Slipknot, but um, you also like Bringing Horizons. I'm not going to be friends with you because you, like, you like Bringing Horizons. Where, you know, like, where everyone just liked it. It didn't matter like, whether it's Nirvana or, you know, Oasis or Blur uh, back then or something. And, like, you know, it didn't matter. And like, and I felt that was sort of the same way with politics, like you know, back then, you know, is. Um, but now I just think this is this huge divide, and I, it's 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 not healthy for either side. No side's going to get their way, and it's just going to yeah. like, it's just it just causes like huge like friends falling out, families like falling out, and things, and it's it is awful to see. And nobody, I don't think, is willing to not talk, but willing to listen anymore. I don't think I could have put it better myself. It's definitely a social media problem because I think like if I think back to like some of my best friends and stuff during college and stuff I did a level three business course and there was like a split between left and right there 
and we we're all really good friends out of class. But in class, we'd have these debates, and that would be it. And we'd find common ground and stuff. On social media, there never seems to be a common ground. It's always I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah, definitely. I'm right, you're wrong. It's never, it's never, there's never common ground between anyone. I think it's important to have. Um, you, everyone says you're entitled to your opinion. I think that you're entitled to have your informed opinion. You know, like if you, yeah, if, you yeah. if you genuinely don't know something, that's fine. Go and research it, and then come back to me with an informed opinion. But it's these people who just—it's like reading the—it's like reading the headline, but not reading the article, and just yeah. you know, like if it says I don't know, like five thousand um, immigrants die off the coast of you know Britain. Oh, that's terrible! Blah blah blah, and it is. But you read further down, and it turns out they are all terrorists or something. Do you know what I mean? And it's kind of like. It's about having con. That was a really weird analogy. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all about like reading the reading between the lines and not just the headline, you know. And I think when people say like um, the whole Black Lives Matter thing, and it's like Black Lives Matter because you know it. It's so frustrating when people go, "Yeah, but all lives matter." Or what about white lives? And it's like we're not the ones being persecuted in this scenario, you know. Yeah, yeah. And again, yeah, definitely. If, if any of this offends anyone, like, like we're just three white dudes just talking, you know. Like we're just we're all mates. We're having conversations that everyone has down the pub, you know. It's just it's one of those things where I just think it's so frustrating that people can't have these conversations through fear of, you know, getting called a, a racist or or whatever, or you know. I just think let everyone live and let live, but also be equal. You yeah, know? I have that's, a, that's all I want really in, in the world. Yeah, I have kind of like a rule of thumb now. If I don't know something or someone brings up a point, I'm not going to sit there arguing a point that I don't have a clue about and I end up just completely spattering out of nonsense. I'll say, sorry, I don't know much about this topic. Um, I'll have to concede my opinion on that one because I, until yeah. I read further. But too many people go, Oh, it doesn't matter about that, and then go back to their initial point, and it's like, oh, you can tell when someone's losing an argument when they start shouting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I had a good example of this yesterday. I saw on Twitter um, something that um, it said that wearing uh, masks is actually um, helping people uh, become immune to COVID because you're getting um, little particles through uh, the mask. You actually, you are getting like small amounts of COVID, which is like the same way as like a vaccine would work. And I saw that on Twitter before I mentioned it to my wife. I thought, right, I've seen one newspaper say, so I'm going to go on Google, Google it, and then just make sure I read from like four different news news sites first before, you know, and I I read from like... um, you know, the Telegraph, I think, the Daily Mail, and I made sure I read from, like, all different sort of perspectives before I said to my wife, oh, have you seen this? Because, yeah. you know, I didn't want to say, have you seen this? And then she puts it on Facebook, and then everyone goes, no, that's wrong, that's wrong, you know, you're wrong, and the things like that. And it's like, yeah. it's, it honestly took me five minutes to quickly just get my phone, bring up Google, type in, you know, does do mask, you know, help immunity. <clears throat> and then I made sure I, I read, like, four different uh, things, so from different uh, news sources. Um, and... Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, I mean, obviously that's just a theory. I'm not going to say that is definitely the, the case. Before. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to take my advice on that. But, on that, but you, yeah, it's, you, you said it perfectly. There. I think that's how fake news travels: is people just read a headline, share it, or post it. Like my nan or whatever during like lockdown when no one knew anything really about COVID. There was these people that clearly weren't <laughs> news at all. There were people on Facebook sharing things like donut. Do this, 
don't do this and or don't take this tablet, don't mix this or this. And it's like that's doesn't that's that, that's just a random person that's made some sort of link and then posted mm -hmm. on Facebook and twenty thousand years later it's circulating in the in the public and people are actually believing it by not realizing that it's come from some random fake news report. I mean that's the trouble like that I I find so I've kind of I've trying to step away from social media in a sense so like I'm keeping off Facebook I still have a Facebook account I'm just not using it as much but I only use it really for the messenger uh, Twitter I, is just a cesspit of horribleness oh, yeah. uh, and Instagram isn't much better but Instagram has got pictures of dogs and cats on it so I can give them <laughs> it's fine um, but I just wanted to obviously Reese you being 18 and obviously Andy uh, Kelsey being uh, sort of 16, 17 do you think it's harder now for your gen or their generation um with social media because obviously me grow i think me growing if i was growing up as their age now i could i wouldn't cope i genuinely don't think i'd cope you know because it is just everything is recorded everything is noted everything's you know everything's online forever now you know and it's yeah, just definitely. it's such a weird thing so i just wanted from both obviously uh, your daughter's perspective like how you cope with that as you know and uh, Reese, how you feel about it as well well I'd say personally for me in terms of the stresses of social media uh, um, I'd say women have definitely or girls have got it harder because they mm. they seem to think they have to live up to these like um, you know like Kardashians and whatever and one, then there's the ones who try to do that and then get all these likes and stuff that put other people down. There's the people who don't do that, then get slated by other people for not living up to that. So there's never, for, I think for women in general, at uh, that young age, there's... They, I, they, they, not, being, not being funny, I find that though. If I, get, if I post a picture and I get a, a, a few likes, it is that hit of dopamine where it's like, oh, I feel... Like validate, I feel like I'm I'm liked, or I feel like I'm appreciated. Yeah, and I know it may make me sound really shallow, but it's true. It is, how, you know. So I can, I can't even imagine what it's like being a younger person and having that. You know, it is very true. They go over this in that social dilemma documentary. Um, okay, there's cool. um, there's. <laughs> It's a really good documentary, but they have this random dramatized thing that sort of goes through um, throughout the thing. They have like these, uh, uh, like like a family basically, and they all like they like you know some of the kids are on their phones too often, and then it all goes up to the point where um, the, the way it concludes is is really far fetched. You'll have to see it because it's difficult to explain how it ends up, but. Um, there's like a young girl in it and she keeps on posting different pictures to uh, Instagram and then like, you know, people are going, oh my God, you're ugly, you're ready to stick out and all this sort of stuff and then you see her getting upset over it. Um, I think Kelsey like has a really healthy relationship with social media. She doesn't really use Facebook that often. It's more, she goes on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and like she has a Instagram page for her pet rats. So uh, that's what she, she goes on quite often. Um but mainly, I mean, like she, I think, I believe she uses Instagram mainly for chatting to her friends because all her friends use Instagram. Uh, and I think that's the same reason, like, the thing I do with uh, social media. If it wasn't for the fact that, like, obviously I get a lot of my, uh, like, tour news and stuff. So if I follow bands on there, it's usually the first place I'll see a, a band are touring. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. And then as well, because obviously going to all these festivals and such and, um, it's how I know a lot of my friends, you know, it's like, mm. it's, uh, I've got like friends on there who 
I'd never ever speak to if I didn't have Facebook. So it's one of those things where I have thought, oh, I'd love to delete uh, Facebook because I see all my friends in real life. But the, the, I think the problem is now with things like Facebook uh, and social media is that your friends are much more wider reaching. You know, I've got like uh, really good friends who like I don't who live like down south. Um, Obviously, I'm actually from down south, so that's not a good uh, analogy. <laughs> I'll have friends from down south, but I'll have friends from like, all over the country that I've met at Download Festival and will camp with them every year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if I came off Facebook, I just wouldn't see my friends anymore or speak to my friends anymore because it's the only time I actually get to sort of speak to them. So it is really difficult, I think, because. Um, and you're right about like the dopamine hit. You know, you do sort of see people like, like your, your posts and stuff like um, I like to put like a lot of. Uh, Daft stuff on Facebook, and when you see people like it, it's like, oh yeah, like people think I'm funny, uh, and it's yeah, it's it's it is strange, but it's the world we live in. But I think as long as you're, you do have like a healthy approach to it. I don't think it's an issue. Like I don't think like I have like an issue. Like I said, if I see something on, it's, uh, on Facebook or Twitter, I will Google it first, yeah, uh, yeah. rather than sort of sharing it. But uh, yeah, I definitely recommend that social dilemma uh, documentary because as I said, there's a lot of stuff in there you'll you'll know. Yeah. Uh, but there's also a lot of stuff in there you like you can see why things are the way they are in terms of like political like left and right and things and how where you live you might have more fake news shared to you than yeah. so that trending on Twitter that's always not necessarily true so what might be t- trending for me uh, in uh, in the North East might be different for like Reese in Wales or you you know so it's one of those things where uh, um it's really clever the way way it works. So yeah, so definitely recommend watching that. Definitely, I definitely want to check that out. I need um, some new recommendations to watch on Netflix. It's uh, yeah, but um, shit's great. There's, <laughs> there's nothing on Netflix so anymore. Good. I but think I, it depends what you're looking for, though, isn't it? I can't find anything. I've been looking for the last two weeks. I See, haven't I, found I, anything new to watch. I definitely recommend Shit's Creek. Uh, I don't know if, if, if any of you two seen it at all. No, no. I haven't. No. It's brilliant. So I think that's one good thing that's come out of lockdown is I've seen so many programs I've never would have seen before. So I've like watched like all of the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which I've always been putting off, and that was really good. Uh, my wife recommended Shit's Creek to me, and it started off a bit like it wasn't too sure, but like I think once you get to the end of series one, I mean I'm, I'm on my second watch through now, and I've managed to watch three seasons in four days. And it's just won, like, uh, the most amount of Emmys that any comedy program has ever won. Uh, obviously, at the Emmys, they won, like, Best Comedy, Best uh, comedy, comedy Actor, Comedy Actress, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress. Um, and it's one of those programs, like, much like The Office, where it's, like, there's no nastiness in it. It's, it's, it's like, a really nice, like, warm hug for the brain, I think is, like, one way to put it. It's, um, you know, they, they do uh, tackle, like... Um, I so they don't actually tackle sexuality. It's just like one of the characters is pansexual. Yeah. And it's, it's just, he's just I, pansexual. It's, yeah. it's not even like sort of really talked about. He's just, he just says, he mentions he's pansexual and they go, all right, okay, cool. And there's no like him struggling it with it or anything. He literally yeah. just cracks on and it's like, it's, it's so refreshing to see. So yeah, I think I, that's like for me, one of the best things on Netflix. I really don't like it when um, programs try and make a big thing about there being like, a gay person in a program and they make storylines about them being treated badly and it's like that mm-hmm. is not what you want to do to anyone who wants to come out is so think, that they can be treated badly it's like, it's a box ticking exercise isn't it it's like oh we've, yeah. got, we've got our black character we've got our gay character we've got this that, and it's just like why can't they just be a character and be black or why can't they just be a character and be gay and not be 
you know, it's part of who they are, obviously, but let's not make a massive deal out of it. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. just what what they are, you know? Because that's I how it is in depends. real life, you know? So. Yeah, I think it depends on the, on the situation. I think Brooklyn Nine-Nine did an episode uh, that I thought was very interesting where um, Terry, uh, do you guys watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine at all? No, I've seen the memes on Facebook, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that's brilliant. The one I recommend. Uh, and Terry, uh, played, obviously played by Terry Crews, um, yeah. he is out. I think he's just walking down his down his street, and he actually get he's obviously a sergeant at, uh, at the Ninth Precinct in Brooklyn, and um, he actually gets arrested uh, for no reason at all, uh, just because he's black. So I think in that regard, you know, obviously when obviously. And this was actually way before uh, Black Lives Matter. Yeah. I think in that regard, I think that is actually quite interesting. And then, like the main yeah. guy, the, the captain, is um, he's actually black and gay. Uh, yeah. And it's again, it's interesting seeing on how that. So I think in some regards, if it's done properly, like I said, if it's not done as like a box ticking exercise, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if it's like you know, I think Brooklyn Nine Nine is one of the programs that really tackles those sort of things. Well, and I've seen actually from. Um, the next season they're really going to have a look at because uh, they said you know like obviously when they're making a program about uh, policemen uh, you know they just sort of sort of say they live within this bubble of like you know all police are good um, and uh, what they said they actually are going to look at sort of trying to make it a bit more like realistic and I think if it's getting the message across properly I do I, I think it's alright but it just it's got to be done properly but yeah, like I said, in Chips Creek, it's just even an issue. It's uh, it's really good the way they do it. I had the same thing when... So I'm a massive Doctor Who fan. So um, when Jodie Whittaker got announced as the Doctor, everyone, like, kicked off. You know, it's, oh, it's PC gone mad. It's because she's a woman. It's like, well, no. Like, I'm sorry. If you can suspend your disbelief to a two-hearted, two 900-year-old alien from Gallifrey who travels in a... Blue, t- blue police phone box, and you can't get over the fact that the lead character is now a woman. Like, yeah. you should probably reevaluate like watching the show. And yeah, also, there's... the reason why she got the job is because she's fucking brilliant. Yeah, she's, she's an really good. Wonderful actress. Do you know what I mean? And I just, yeah. sat and I just thought, eh. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, 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 so it's weird, weird people get angry because about. because it's uh, the Doctor's a perfect example. The Doctor is is not is never been given a gender. No, he's, yeah, exactly. But, but then you got. I can agree with like James Bond. You can't. I don't think you can have a woman play James Bond, same as you can't have a man play Mary Poppins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, unless been, that's that's been cast from the beginning that yeah. Mary Poppins that's, is a woman and James Bond is a man. Yeah, like, I, I I think they should move away from James Bond like like objectifying women. That's that's quite. Oh dated, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. But he, you know, he's, it, me- he's meant to be uh, a bit of a suave, sexy kind of guy, but. There's a difference between being that and being a creep. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, yes. yeah, it, it's definitely, definitely one. Um, just moving back towards music and things. What, what are you? Um, what's your plans for for 2021? Then, are you looking at lineups and things this year? Because uh, there's there's been some absolutely stonking lineups this year. Uh, I'm looking at 2000 Trees lineup, for example. Looks wonderful like yes <laughs> it definitely does uh i was quickly bringing up 2003 so i can see so i mean i think i went on to nicola my wife about this the other day yeah annoyingly yes yeah, is the jimmy welder's headline in that one yeah jimmy well yeah. thrice and then there's a new headline to be announced which it's was originally 
I was going to say it's the same weekend as the British uh, Grand Prix for Formula oh, wow. One, so I've already got tickets to that. So unfortunately, we won't be able to go to that. But Slam Dunk uh, looks absolutely fantastic. Yes. It's yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. Uh, I'm definitely looking at going to Slam Dunk. And as I said, like if it was wasn't about like money and things, we're going to Formula One because it's unfortunately with that, it's either Formula One or download. I can't do of both because yeah, they yeah, are yeah. quite expensive. I mean, overall, Formula One is cheaper, uh, but. Um, Yes, that's why we need to do the day slam dunk. Yeah. So that's Sam Forty One, isn't it? Headline in yeah, that. Yeah, Sam Forty One, Don Broco, Billy Talent. There's there's lots of what I mean. Slam, I don't know. Obviously, I do know slam dunk was made in 2006 and stuff, but I didn't end up going until 2017. I never know why because my two probably my two favorite genres of music is pop punk and hardcore. So when Slam Dunk put their line together, it's literally perfect every single year, pretty much. <laughs> and yet I waited this long to go, and I never understand it. <laughs> that was my first uh, Slam Dunk. Actually, my only Slam Dunk, actually. That was on the... Um, that was Jimmy Eat World as well, wasn't it? Uh, 2017? Yeah, it was uh, Good Charlotte and uh, no, that was uh, Jimmy Eat World. Mm, 2018, I think. Because I'm pretty sure 2017 was Shikari. Alright, okay. Well, I might, yeah, no, yeah, it's Shikari 2017 and Good Charlotte Jimmy Eat World was 2018, I do believe. Right, okay. Because I, yes, I, uh... I left for Good Charlotte because it started chucking down Hatfield. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was really, really good, yeah, because that was in, uh, I went to the Leeds uh, version and that was, uh, yeah. that was fantastic. We, uh, yeah, really good bands. I think we saw Zebrahead, uh, Creeper, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm the same. Like one of my favourite genres of music is punk, uh, pop punk is, uh, and that as well. You know, so it's uh, like one of my favourite bands is The Interrupters. Oh, I love uh, Interrupters. Yeah, they're so good. And, like, it's uh, have you guys seen them live? I saw yes. them with Green Day, and I've seen them a couple of times at download and things. I see. Yeah, just I see. So, I seen them download last year. So much fun live. They're like genuinely one of the best. Like it's like them and Skindred. I can't imagine a bad Skindred or Interrupters show. It just doesn't yeah. work in my head. Um, and yeah, like the Interrupters. I think I think we've seen them three times now. And like you know, the whole band is so magnetic. And like you know, it's they're yeah, they're fantastic. Um, yeah. So yeah. So Slam Dunk is is probably like the music the the festival that does have like my main sort of like. And they've got yeah, I don't the, think um, I'd be bored. They've got the drunken public stage as well, haven't they? Which is obviously no effects stage in which they just put loads of punk bands on. So not yeah. only have you got the pop punk, you've got the punk and you've got the, the hardcore and the rock. I mean there is some stuff on there that's kind of a bit not to my taste, but you know, there's a it's generally speaking aimed at more younger people. But then they they throw out some absolutely mad like um bands there. So you've got um your demise who are coming back after a, like a f- five year hiatus, and I'm like, where the hell did they come from? Like I used to love them back in the day, and they um, <laughs> Medina Lake came back a couple of years ago, and they were great. Um, but yeah, some forty one, Don Bronco, No Effects, Billy Talent, While She Sleeps is the top like five bands on the poster. I'm like, well, that's me sold. You know, <laughs> let, let alone anyone else on the bill, you know. So, and they've got um, Code Orange's first UK show since they're releasing underneath and. I love Code Orange. So. Such a good album. That last one was absolutely amazing. It is. They're just. They're just so so abrasively heavy, but yet brilliant at the same time. And the fact they've done the um, the MTV unplugged style thing they've done, 
um, which I didn't think was going to work at all, but it worked fantastically. It was just wonderful, wonderful band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think I'm going to have to go Slam Dunk because I got my Reading and Leeds ticket, well, my Reading tickets. Um, I'm so sad about Reading not booking Rage again. <laughs> I would have gone in a heartbeat because yeah. uh, everything else in there, which we've, we and Reese have discussed this before, everything else in there is like, I'm not a snob when it comes to music. I like some chart music. You know, I'll go see Lewis Capaldi get very drunk and sing along to every word of it. You know, it's going to be great fun. You know, yeah. but the fact they removed Rage, I was like, oh, that that's my that was my one buyout clause that I was like, if they're going, I'm going. But yeah. did you see there was like a rumored uh, a rumored uh, lineup and that looked amazing? I can't remember. It was, I think it was like uh, Billie Eilish, Slipknot, and someone else. I can't remember who it was. And it was like. Sorry? Could you imagine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thing is, it's like, yeah, like Billie Eilish, I mean, like, I've, I've seen her live any already, um, and she was, like, absolutely fantastic since she played at Middlesbrough um, Radio 1's Big Weekend. Yeah, I'm uh, sure you got tickets for that, you jammy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm quite lucky that, obviously, I live in the area, so it was, it was mad sort of thinking, you know, because, obviously, at the time, she was, like, quite midway down the stage, but it was yeah. just just after, I think, her album came out. And now, like, I sort of say to my daughter and my wife, it's like, can you believe we saw Billie Eilish in Middlesbrough? (laughs) (laughs) How does that even work? And then, like, you know, like, Miley Cyrus played. I mean, I was watching um, Bring Me Horizon at that that point. They were fantastic, obviously. Uh, Yeah, so, um, yeah, but, like, I'm the same. It's, like, with you, it's, like, you know, like, you know, some... some, Chart music is really good. You've got like uh, I quite like uh, Dua Lipa. She's got some good songs. Yeah, uh, you know, so you just have to look. And I think that's the thing. I, I think people are so worried about being like, you know, like their mates looking down at them. And, like and I've got two mates who I, I chat to all the time, and like you know, we're all quite open about our shit taste in music. You know, it's <laughs> like. But the thing is, I don't believe in the term guilty pleasure. No, I don't. Really. I don't. You know, I don't believe in that. I, I think you know, you like what you like, and it's like, yeah, my main taste in music is rock. But you know, it's like, um, you know, but I literally don't. I can I can listen to anything if it, if I like it. If it's good quality music, I like it, and I don't care telling people it. And if people want to say, oh, you're stupid for liking that, it's like, well, I don't give a shit. I'm having a good time, so. <laughs> I was say I've, I had a cut when the Radio One Big Weekend came to Norwich. We had Taylor Swift headlining and Foo Fighters. Now, oh, wow. I don't know about oh, you guys. That sounds like a fun time. It and, does, definitely. You know, I'm not much of, you know, I'm not a lawbreaker tonight, but I was one of, one of the only times I thought, if I could scale the fence, I would. Like, oh, obviously, no. they had mad security, but I was like, if I could scale the fence and get in there, I would. Because, ah, oh, I'm never going to see Foo Fighters that close to me, let alone Taylor Swift. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, it's it's a really good festival they put on, and it was a. The thing is, is like a lot of um, obviously we have done download loads, yeah, yeah, and like a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it's more pop music, so the crowd's going to be. And honestly, the crowd was amazing, and it's yeah. like I saw um, I'm, uh, one of the best gigs I've been to was Will Smith I in Will Black- Smith. Yeah, nice. I saw him in Blackpool in uh, 2017. I think it was. He, he just he wow. randomly played Blackpool. The tickets were like 30 quid. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, uh, my wife and I went down there for the day. It was literally the day after the um, the Mayweather uh, fight. Um, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and I got up at like three o'clock in the morning, watched the fight, and then we drove down to Blackpool, spent the whole day in Blackpool, and we met also with uh, quite a few mates who you know from Download. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like, it literally, like, it started off and it was um, Fats and Smalls, I think it was, who sing that um, Got to Turn Around. Yeah, yeah, And, like, yeah, the yeah. whole place, as soon as he came out, it was like, hey, what's wrong with you? And the whole place just went <laughs> off and it was like a massive party. And then, um, uh, then yeah, then they had uh, some other opening acts. And then uh, Will Smith came out and he opened with uh, Boom Shake Shake the Room. I'm honestly getting goosebumps thinking about him now because, <laughs> and he just, and I'm just like, this is 30 quid and I'm seeing Will Smith. I never, ever, ever thought that I'm going to see Will Smith live. And it was um, amazing. A lot of people didn't get tickets because they thought it was like fake. They thought there's no way Will Smith were playing Blackpool no. uh, as his first comeback. <laughs> I think he did Croatia like the night before and then he did uh, Blackpool wow. and it was amazing. But like, the point is there is the crowd were fantastic. There was no issues and stuff. You know, it's like, because uh, my, my main bit of anxiety, as much as I love gigs, my anxiety when I'm in crowds and stuff is really bad, even though I love being in a mosh pit and I love being right on the barrier. Yeah. Um, you know, while the band's on, I'm absolutely fine. But during between band stuff, that's when my anxiety gets bad. But um, yeah, well, I've been to like festivals, like uh, Radio One's Big Weekend, and uh, you know, more mainstream music and like Will Smith and stuff. Like the crowds were amazing. You know, people were lovely, and like I think there's a lot of stereotypes that sort of go with like you know from people within the rock industry, uh, rock side of things. They always say, oh, you know, those pop people are always doing drugs all the time, you know, popping ease and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, it's not the case at all. And like some of the better crowds I've seen have actually been at more mainstream gigs than uh, uh, mainstream pop gigs. Sometimes I think mainstream rock gigs, like I went to the Foo Fighters and there were some dickheads at like that place. And I think those people who think, who know, like, you know, they know Learn to Fly. Yeah. and that's it <laughs> and yeah. uh, you know and they, they can be like some of the worst crowds but yeah all the pop crowds I've ever been in and stuff they've always been like fantastic that's the thing I just want to pick up on what you said earlier is um I think it's really strange that we have all this access to music like we could listen to anything you want on Spotify ever pretty much and yet we're more divided and more segregated about what we listen to and more like with the guilty pleasures like you know some people are like I'd be playing in my car, like my players will go from some like Slipknot to Taylor Swift to Chasing Status to, you know, whatever. And everyone's just like, oh my God, listen to that. And it's like, well, why wouldn't you? You know, obviously, yeah. like, I, I guess Reese can kind of relate a little bit, but obviously, Andy more so, me, me as well. When you were younger, you had, I don't know, if you had, if you had a tenner pound a, a month to spend on a CD, you'd buy a vinyl or a CD. And you had to like that damn CD because the, <laughs> yeah. that was your month's worth of your income you could spend on music spent, you know? And now what we spend a tenner a month and we can have everything, the entire like discography of everything that's ever been written, you know? So it's mad yeah. to think that people are so like that. One thing I did want to say as well, like I've only ever had trouble at a gig or a festival at Leeds Fest. And that was I was 2017, uh, and it was Muse, and they were subheadlined by Liam Gallagher, and there was just a weird atmosphere that day. I don't know what it was, whether it was because one of the Gallagher's were there, and it's was that the indie lot? Yeah, the indie lot. You, your lot, Reese. Your lot. Um, <laughs> the the dark fruits buckethead wankers. See, you're you you're slating my indie liking now. But, yeah, no, I am. Like, <laughs> indie is one of the one of the better, most like upbeat genres of music. But 
fuck me, it, it, it brings in a lot of wankers. <laughs> I think you could say that about anything, though. I think everything that yeah, I love, yeah. like, you know, Formula One football, uh, you know, yeah, everything yeah. has got, like, you know, it just has this really, like, loud minority who just uh, just dickheads, and it's just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speak, speaking of football, uh, what are your uh, opinions on Middlesbrough season, because you're a Middlesbrough <laughs> fan? Oh, did you uh, want to the score, by the way? I'm uh, just looking at the score now, and we are winning. Nice one, cool. What? One nil. A nil, one side winning. Cool. Um, yeah, no, uh, I'd, I'll be honest. It's like I, I'm one of these people who think we should never have fired Ito Karanka. I have yeah. no idea why we did that, or at the very least, had a decent replacement. We just went in with that with the assistant manager, and it was uh, Steve Agnew, and it was just. It was just awful. It was one of the like since then I've really sort of like not tuned out as such, and I'm always like obviously keeping an eye on the scores and stuff. But when you sort of and, like the chairman is amazing. Like, you listen to anybody like on Sky Sports News, and what if they ever talk about Middlesbrough, they always say they've got an amazing chairman there, and he is amazing. He's done so much for the club, but it is so frustrating when you have like Ito Cranker, who got us up to the Premier League in like one of the best seasons ever, and like gave me one of the best days of my life when we got promoted, and like. Um, and just seeing him being treated, and I'm sure there were things going on back in the back office, but the fact that, like, you know, that we, you know, he got us up there. We weren't, we weren't doing very well, but to sack him and then not to replace him, and we just went down, and then we got Gary Monk, who was crap, and then we got, uh, if you have after that, it was, yeah. um, oh, who was that after that? I can't it was. Um, I'm trying to Tony Pulis. It was Tony Pulis. Yeah. yeah, and then, uh, yeah, he wasn't very good, and then. Uh, and obviously we had tried Woodgate, and like with Woodgate, it was uh, one of those things where it was uh, his passion. You could not argue about his passion, and like you know, I, I really sort of believed. I was like, oh my god, I'm actually on board with with Woodgate. And then again, again, it wasn't his fault. You know, I, I don't think it was his fault at all. I think that he was sort of get put in a position that you know, if someone offered, if you support Borough and you grew up with Borough and you've played for Borough, and someone says, do you want to manage them? You're going to yeah. say yes. And I think like. I think he went. He was put in too early. I think he had a great backroom staff. I mean, we had Robbie Keane, we had uh, Leo Perkovic, who's a fantastic, amazing. Like honestly, I've, the, the passion on that guy is amazing. Uh, yeah. And you thought, wow, we've got this backroom staff that's going to be like fantastic, and it just didn't happen. So um, it's one of those things where I don't like to sort of be that sort of person. Like, so obviously, I'm from down south, <laughs> so it's difficult being a, a Middlesbrough supporter when you thought, thought like, oh, I could have been supporting Bournemouth for something, like where I'm actually like from. <laughs> um, you know, but you know, I've I've chosen my team because I didn't get into football till I moved up north. Uh, when I was, I went to a borough match with some mates, and I was like, actually, like I love this. This is amazing. And then I like been like went to every match like going yeah. forward. But it's just so yeah. At the moment, it's I think it's even more difficult now than it was during the Strachan stages because with Strachan it wasn't the team or anything it was obviously Strachan's fault that we were doing rubbish because as soon as Mowbray came in we improved whereas now yeah. I think there's like it's a much deeper thing that needs to be sorted and like I, I don't know what it is so yeah. yeah it's a bit it's a bit frustrating but we're winning at the moment or at least we were yeah. five minutes ago there was, there's been some sort of switch in Middlesbrough like I've I don't even know where it happened because obviously I don't, I'm not a Middlesbrough fan so uh, they've just scored it's withdrawing so. now so <laughs> <laughs> Live updates that are probably going to come out way after <laughs> this has come out. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know where it went wrong for Middlesbrough. It's just been... I've always thought of them as always on the brink of getting playoffs or, promote, or promotion. Um, and it's just the last few years have just seemed to kind of... They kind of just dropped off a bit. And then I think 
signing Neil Warnock seems like a bit of a uh, like clasping at straws almost. Yeah, we haven't put anyone in or at least anyone decent. Like you know, like I, th- I think our transfer window's been awful. Probably one of the worst we've had in ages. Um, yeah. You know, and I don't think we're an attractive club anymore. You know, before you'd have we had uh, Shay Given play for us. We had, yeah. um, you know, it's like he was amazing. And also we we had like um, rumored like Van Persie was rumored to play uh, to be coming over at one point. Obviously yeah. that never yeah. happened. Uh, oh, um, oh, Valdez, Victor Valdez played for Middlesbrough. Victor Valdez played for Middlesbrough. Yeah, 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 I yeah, mean, yeah. That, even saying that now is like. How can, like, the guy who won the World Cup, you know, won God knows how many championships with uh, with Barcelona, and he played for Middlesbrough, and it was obviously the team, his last uh, team, I think, and it's like, you know, for that to happen is is amazing. So, in my opinion, like, he's probably one of the best goalkeepers in the world, and he's he's played for Borough, and it's like, how does that happen? And then, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just uh, not. (laughs) Do Do you think it's something to do with the play style now that it's just not drawing people in? I'm not sure. I really don't know. I think, like, from a manager's point of view, I feel like, uh, obviously, Steve Gibson always had a bit of a reputation for sticking with managers for for a long time, sometimes too long. Yeah. But I think now, I think at the moment, it just seems like, I don't know if it's pressure from the fans, which I do think is quite a big thing these days, is that there is a lot of pressure yeah, yeah. from fans. I don't think people are given time anymore. I mean, obviously, Alex Ferguson famously had a crap first season with United. Uh, and, like... Um, I just don't think, I think there's too much pressure from fans now. I think that, like, people obviously vote with their wallets. And I do think football's really expensive. You know, like, again, I'm quite lucky that both myself, my wife, and my daughter all like football and all go, like, going to borough matches. But it's like yeah. 30 quid a ticket. So it's like, what, 90 quid for the three of us exactly. to go now because yeah. she's over 16. Then obviously, you've got to get there. You've got to eat. So it ends up being a day where it's, things are costing, like, £100 for a day where you're not guaranteed to get a decent result. Exactly, or, yeah. you know, I could pay 20 quid or even less sometimes, like 10 quid to see a band that I really like and have a brilliant time and still have loads of money left over. So it's like, you yeah. know, people are voting with their wallets and I do think that football is uh, is too expensive these days. It's just, uh, and I think they're, they are starting to like almost price out their, you know, the fans who want to go but just can't afford it. Yeah, I totally agree. I was gonna say it's um it's one of those mad things because I'm I'm a Man United supporter, right? So you know I'm from I'm from uh, the east and I'm a Man United supporter. Don't shoot me. Uh, <laughs> when so I, I have a choice. Well, you're not from Manchester, so that's the uh, thing, isn't it? So that's who yeah, you support. <laughs> I, uh, I have a choice between mm-hmm. Norwich or Ipswich, and uh, I do I do loosely support Ipswich because my dad's an Ipswich Town fan. But um, that all being said, just in terms of the pricing, like you're talking, the last time I saw United, there was about it was about thirty five, forty quid for a ticket, right? Now I yeah. went to Paris just before the lockdown happened this year, um, and for some reason I've always had a bit of an affiliation with PSG. Don't really yeah. know why, just always liked their style of football and how they play and things. And um, I went, I was in Paris, and uh, I was like, oh, I could go do a stadium tour. Because I was just on my own, I, was, I was sort of had nothing really to do that day. Looked online, I was like, oh, they don't do stadium tours today because they're playing a match. And I thought, all oh, right, cool. I wonder how much tickets are for a for PSG match. I paid fifteen and a half euros <laughs> wow. for a ticket, yeah. right? And I was sat behind the goal, three three rows behind the goal, and I was like, I'm sorry, but this is <laughs> mental. Like when you look at English football, you think how much money is being pumped into the players and everything else. And I just think it's a total con. But like. 
I get it when you when you're passionate about a team and you want to see them play and things and support them is obviously a key part of it. I just think it's so expensive, and like you say, it's a complete day out, you know, and some, you know. And when you're yeah, not yeah. guaranteed to even win, you know, and even if you don't win, but you're not, a, you're not. Uh, ex- sometimes you don't play the most attractive football in the world, you know, and it's just, I, uh, it's so frustrating. But, um, yeah, I think the we ever all the leagues need to follow the German uh, way of playing. Like Bayern Munich season tickets are 145 euros. Yeah, <laughs> for every home game, that is crazy. That's two. But the thing is, is God, sorry, two games. That's two games for me and a few, and a few friends. Like, <laughs> yeah. So and the thing is, is you're going to get people in who don't usually go, and they're going to go into the club shop and buy maybe like a daft teddy bear with like a thing on. So that's extra money there. You've got people buying beers and food and stuff. So there's more money there. So surely by lowering those prices, you're going to bring more people in and get more money in on like the concessions rather than. Yeah, you know, it's I, I don't know. There's obviously a reason why they do it, but it's the same with music ticket prices as well. Like they're always famously more expensive over here. Yeah. You know, if you look at sometimes I've seen people say it's actually cheaper to go to like Germany or yeah. somewhere to actually from Britain because it's actually cheaper to go to see a band there than it actually is to like sort of stay here because you know things are so expensive. Even like travel, you know, like train train tickets are like compared to other countries are like stupid. And like again, staying somewhere overnight and things is not an attractive prospect. Um, no. I'm more willing to do it because I know I'm going to have a good time than I am with football. But uh, it's yeah, it's I think it's like something with Britain that just for whatever reason we just hike up all the prices. But I think it's like yeah. people are going to pay it. It's the same with the scalpers. You know, when they buy up all these tickets and then like. You know, they sell them straight away. So I've seen it recently with the PS5s, the Xboxes getting all uh, bought uh, on online, and then they go back up on eBay for like eight hundred quid. And it's just like, but people will pay it, and that's the thing. People will pay the yeah. prices because they're so worried about having, you know, this not having this thing. Uh, I was quite lucky; and I got one uh, from Argos. I was alright, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where people will pay the money because you know to to go to these things, and it's like, so why wouldn't they charge more? And I think that's a frustrating thing. Yeah, as long as there's demand there, they'll always charge how much they ever they can get. So that's where it's it's gonna be hard to you know shift the dynamic. But that's the thing as well. When it comes down to music, I think what at what price, at what point do you say enough is enough? Right. Yeah. So, for example, like one of my favorite bands of all times, Metallica. Right. And I paid both times I've seen them. I've paid just over a hundred pounds for a ticket. Now there isn't there isn't many other bands in this planet that I would pay that kind of money to go and see. But if it's anything more than that, I'm just like, no, I'm not gonna. Do you know what I mean? I think where yeah. do you, where do you draw the line? Like you say, you could go and see, I don't know, um, the Interrupters. And three other bands on a bill for twenty quid. Get yourself a couple of pints, a, a kebab on the way home, and a taxi back to your to your accommodation, and still have change. You know, yeah. versus a, a ticket to go and see a, a massive stadium act. And I think when you're paying, you know, two hundred and fifty quid, for example, for a download ticket, why would you then go and pay a hundred pound for one ticket for one show? Yeah, I, yeah. I guess it highlights how cheap festival tickets are for what you get. I think they're. Oh yeah, they could be could be download could be cheaper in my opinion, but could, uh, 
But then you, I think you can offer more value for money. I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I think that's the thing. I think the prices are okay, but like I feel like you know when I first went in 2011, or even actually I think about 2013, they used to offer so much. Like yeah. in terms of like what you could do in the village, and they had like the zip wire and stuff like that. And now it feels so yeah. basic compared to it's not like they've gone right right back. I think, and I think, but the prices have gone up still. So it's uh, yeah, that value for money sort of tips back. I think like it's like it's no longer as much value. So I don't mind paying the prices. Just give us stuff to like do rather. Yeah, than, like, yeah. Well, what do you what do you think has changed since since you uh, since when you first went to when you last went? Because that's the thing. I've I've been since sixteen, and obviously really since. 19 so it's be quite interesting to sort of get a different perspective on it uh i feel like everything i don't know it's um i feel like i think one of the main things is obviously they're not as i think this need to do if you know they're always saying about the older bands uh obviously they're still headlining it's like i'm yeah. so frustrated i you know i do like system of a down but why they carry on headlining without a new album is yeah. beyond me when you've got like bring horizon uh yeah, you know recent recent new music and stuff like that and i you know and i was like and i think like they're not they're not booking bands to sort of bring people in and i think that's where they're sort of losing the money because like when i first was it 2011, I think the attendance was like 75,000. So they used to release those uh, things like then. Yeah. 2012 was obviously the year they had like Black Sabbath and Metallica and Prodigy. And that was obviously a massive year. That was absolutely rammed. 2013 yeah. was amazing. Slipknot, Ramstein and Iron Maiden. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that was that was really good. And then uh, the year after, that's when uh, Lincoln Park played Hybrid Theory and Four. And that was a really cool year. But I think from. I think it was 16 onwards, and I think they lost a lot of faith when it came to the weather. Yeah. Uh, I think I do think that was quite a big thing, because I went in 2012, uh, and obviously 20... Is that the famous mud, really bad. Yeah, 2012 was the famous mud year, isn't it? Yeah, and like, uh, if I'm honest, I didn't actually stay for the whole year, because I had a massive panic attack, and ended up having I to go see. home because of the weather. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things now. It's, it's I, I probably would have handled it a bit better if I knew what, like, anxiety was at the time I didn't do it just so it was confusing so I, was like, I want to go home <laughs> um, but 2016 I think like, I, I've got a really good mate who uh, we actually took down uh, to download that year and when he, we were waiting for him in the car after it was Aerosmith was it I don't know who it was that year 2016 yeah Aerosmith yeah. uh, and he, he he came to the car and he goes I'm never coming to download again and he loves that sort of music. He goes, I just, wow. I just can't. He goes, because it was to do just how badly organised it was. And I think Download 2012 had a very much like a community sort of feel. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like I think like you see this on the forums, on the Download forums, like um, in Download 2012, like the forums like at any time would have hundreds of people on there. And like you'd have like a, it was like a famous thread on there that year uh, uh, from a, a mate of mine uh, called Starting to Look Forward to It. And it started in March. Yeah. And by the time it got through to the uh, to the actual download, I think it was like 300 pages long. Wow. Now you go to the download forums and it's like, it's not being promoted as much by the organizers. And it's, it's frustrating because there was like a lot of like really good, that, that I feel, I feel like for me, this is me personally, that the sense of community has gone from download overall or the community that i felt from it anyway like i've got loads of friends who have started to drop off over the years and things to not go and it's uh it's sad to see because i love download you know the reason i went the first year in 2011 was because it was my, our honeymoon because we yeah. didn't want to go away on holiday we went to download instead yeah. and there is like That's... even then when it was just us two we didn't know anybody there was still this big sense of community and then um yeah so 
I don't feel that anymore when I go there because like loads of my friends haven't gone now and I feel like the lineup is hasn't evolved like it should have done. Like, you know, fair yeah. enough, get the old the old Guardian, get Iron Maiden in, get Black Sabbath in, but you know, I, th- and I know this is an argument like many, many, many music journalists have been having over the years. But like, you need to start promoting the smaller bands because these, you know, all you're getting is these older people going along just for the day, uh, and you know, and it's they're not putting the money into like the campsites and things like that. And I feel like that's that's my opinion. That's just from what I've seen. Yeah, because it's 2011, and it's just like there's, it feels different. It doesn't feel like you're going home as much anymore. But that's like I said this. Just me, sorry, go on. That's a, that's a strange opinion for me, because I only went last year. So I had, like, the, the honeymoon phase kind of thing of it being my first year. Yeah. And I felt, because I'd never been to a live gig or anything like that, I personally felt I've never felt part, more part of a community as I did then. But, well, so I've met loads of friends and stuff from the minute I got on the bus to go up, because we all got bus to go up there, me, me and one of the mate. And we met, like, six, seven people. We camped with them the whole time. Uh, went to see Matt, had a great time, met like random people everywhere. So I think this, the sense of community's part is there, but um, from people that we were camping with who had been there previous years, they said it just doesn't feel like a lot of the the planning was there to make to make it easy for people to meet and go out. Like yeah. there was p- apparently people in wheelchairs that just couldn't leave their tents or anything. And I know yeah. that, was, that partly down to just the weather being so bad, but like they they apparently had like uh, plastic walkways they could have put down but just didn't um, they didn't it, it seemed like to a lot of people they just didn't didn't seem to act quickly enough and and react to the changing weather yeah. I think my, my my biggest my biggest issue that I have with download is it's like you know and I'm not I'm not the healthiest guy in the world but it's like a fucking endurance <laughs> test do you know what I mean getting yeah. from the car to the campsite is an endurance. Yeah, no, that is. From the campsite <laughs> to, the, to the arena is a fucking endurance. And it's just, everything's so much effort. And so, I've obviously, I usually go to um, Bloodstock because you have what I camp at. And I know it's hard to, to compare the two in terms of size, one being seventy to 80,000, the other being fifteen to 20. But it's just, when you have that, it's just little things that, you know, like, oh, where's the, where's the campsite? The campsite's there. Where's the arena? Oh, the arena's there. Oh, it's like a five-minute walk, if that. And it doesn't matter if it gets muddy, because it's literally five minutes, where, you know, you, you go to... You get to the arena, and you realise that you've put the wrong trousers on, and you're too hot in your jeans. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know you're missing at least two or three bands to walk yeah. back to the village, back to the campsite, to get your stuff. And it's just, my, like... Yeah. It's difficult from that respect. But um, my I think feet. sometimes it can be a bit too commercial as well, but... My feet still haven't recovered from last year. <laughs> I think yeah. for me, I was going to say, uh, we, we camped at, we camp at Formula One, yeah. and I think that ruined camping at Download for us, because, yeah. uh, and I appreciate, obviously, like there's more people camping at Download than there is at uh, uh, Formula One, but like we had the car right next to us, we had showers, and that, honestly, the difference that showers make is amazing. Yeah. Um, and then we also had... Uh, like proper toilets and it's like I appreciate obviously download is much bigger and it's over a much larger thing but it's like I just don't see why they can't implement some of those things I know you do have the showers at, at download but it's uh, obviously they're communal whereas uh, the Formula 1 they're like boiling hot showers and after a whole day of walking around in July in a really dusty place and you get to have a shower it's amazing 
And uh, you know, having a car right next to you, like like uh, Matt said there, like having um, uh, having uh, the car so far away, and like you know, if you think I've forgotten something, and sometimes <laughs> there's a stuff you can sort of go. You literally have to do two trips. So like when I go with my wife. You know, I start setting up the tent. The tent set up. She goes, right, while you're doing X, Y, and Z, I've got to run back to the car. And she'll be gone an hour. <laughs> you know, yeah. so yeah. whereas the, the Formula One having, and I imagine this is what it's like with ROP. So I think if we went again, it would be with ROP. There was a moment last year when I, I went with my friend Adam and we were walking along the racetrack because of the way they've set out the walkways. We were walking along the racetrack and we were carrying like three, four boxes of beer each in either hand, and it was chucking it down with rain, right? <laughs> and I genuinely felt like throwing my my throwing my beard out and crying. And I just I said to him, I was like, I'm not doing this again. I was like, I'm just not do-. like as fun as the festival is. This is bullshit. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I'm soaked to the bone. Like, we we arrived at the festival at four o'clock um to set up. And I didn't actually sit down and have a beer until well past ten. Like that's how wow. hard it was last year. And yeah, it was, it was just like you know. Well, then when you get a bloodstock, and I have the car parked, tents up, and everything within you know an hour, hour and a half, the absolute max. And that's waiting in line to get in as well, you know, and get your wristband and things. I just think it's a no competition, but the best. Best one that I've been to uh, in terms of organisation, and again, you can't compete in terms of size. But is um Stone Dead Festival? I don't know if you guys have yeah. heard or seen about it. Yeah, but um, I've heard of it. Yeah, I I was very luckily to be invited because hashtag VIP, hashtag famous, all of that <laughs> <laughs> for um for the YouTube. And they're like they sent me um two free tickets. I took my friend with me, and um yeah, as I say, just porcelain toilets just make the difference. And it it really like, does. It sounds like <laughs> such a snobby thing to say, but it's like, I can just use a normal loo. And I haven't got a, you know... But it turns out the VIP bit that we were given is actually, like, they're backstage, pretty much. So we were just chilling, the bands were just walking off stage with all the guitars and stuff, and just, like, like uh, tuning their guitars, but in the area that we were in. And we were like, are oh, we big to be here? I'm not sure, like... We, it's like, we've got the wristbands, so, like... <laughs> Don't worry, the, this, yeah, this we, podcast we, is getting... Is gonna get this podcast one day will get us free tickets to download or something. <laughs> I mean, backstage. I will be completely honest. I've been completely honest from the very beginning. That is the only reason, pretty much, I started on YouTube. I like, <laughs> if, I, if, if I can get free shit from Live Nation, I'm happy. Like, <laughs> Joey, in any in any sense of trying to get into the music industry, I'm like, what's the easiest way to do it? Okay, I'll just do vlogs and stuff. And also, I've got a terrible memory, so it's quite good to remember things when you record it. But yeah. when you are recording it, just make sure you don't get too drunk because you've got to do the editing as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and there's a lot of like stuff that I've recorded, and like, I'm watching it back, and I'm like, I can't put that in. It's just what am I doing? Like there was once uh, a download, I was going up to everyone saying, "Say hi to YouTube, say hi to YouTube." <laughs> People were like, "Who the fuck's this?" <laughs> <laughs> I, and I got back and I was watching I thought what the fuck am I doing like, that's, none of that made it in it was just, it was just awful yeah. I love it um, I was going to say there was literally um, what else was I going to say oh yeah the, the, about the podcast that we that me and Reese done uh, literally all day for the World Cup of Rock now 
I'm not a massive fan of the Beatles. Oh no! And I'm not going to repeat it because I had to bleep it out. I couldn't keep it in. It was too. It was too much. Um, but I, I went in on the Beatles um, to the point I made a joke about what, why they're why they're dead and why people don't like them. <laughs> I, I went really in, and I, I said to Reese, I was like, I can't keep that in. As funny as it is, like, oh, we will get cancelled or killed, like. <laughs> you know it's I mean, funny you should actually say that because while uh, while we've been recording, my sister's just messaged me saying she's been banned from Facebook because <laughs> because, because uh, someone asked if she could go back in uh, in time. Would she would um, she still have someone shoot John Lennon? And she said, "Why not shoot Paul McCartney instead?" Oh and my god! <laughs> and she's literally while we, while we've been chatting, she's just sent that through to me, and I was like, "Oh my god!" So. Uh, <laughs> the joke Matt made was pretty similar. Yeah, so. <laughs> it, it wasn't even my joke. It's a, it's actually a, a comedian um, called uh, Brendan Burns' joke he made about um, he was he basically it's a part of a long skit he does about why Liverpool is so terrible. Um, and he said, "Yeah, but we brought them." No, I'm not going to do the joke. Oh, is no, no, you're not doing the joke. You'll know what you said. Huh? <laughs> Don't do the joke because I'll know what you said. Yeah. Uh, so if I, we, if... I'll, I'll tell you when we stop recording the joke. It's really it's. it's awful he does a lot better than what i do but the the sentiment you, is you awful. just came out and said it with no context yeah <laughs> yeah but oh, if we want if we wanted any any future opportunity of a sponsor on the podcast it's best to you know, bleep that out yeah especially with such a hot take as the beatles yeah well we'll get we'll get sponsored by the ira it's fine like, we'll get an american sponsor <laughs> yeah <laughs> cool i mean we are at the just kind of the hour and a half mark i don't know if you guys Want to mention anything else or, or chuck out anything I've else? I've got one question, which is going to be now a... Oh, no, no, no. No, actually, I've got a, If you're going to do the end one, I've got one before that. Okay. How did you manage to go and download TV? Oh, was, oh was me. Thinking, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just um, like, I popped into my head. Yeah, I'm quite lucky that I know... Uh, um, I don't know if you know of Trish and Hevs, yeah, who yeah, yeah. Uh, run oh, the I download do, forums. I know of them, but I don't know them personally. I know them yeah, so yeah. they're on the they're the mods on the download forums, and like we're really good. For, uh, Nicola Kelsey and I are really really good friends with them. Yeah. Um, so uh, and obviously I'm always happy to be recorded. I'm always happy to uh, like uh, at work. I'm on uh, I work on the social media team, and if anyone ever says, "Oh, who wants a photo taken with them? Who wants to do this? Who wants to?" Do I'm like, "I'll do it. I'll do it. I don't <laughs> care." Uh, so yeah, so Trish contacted me. Uh, so, so they've been on the download forum since 2010. So and like yeah. we, when we go there, we like if you ever find me at download, I'm always sat with the group with Trish and Hevs and like loads and loads of other people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. So Trish got in contact with me. So a lot of the people that she saw on download TV. Um, were people who were from uh, from the forums, but I tell you what, the thing is, I knew I was doing, but I didn't know Kylie Olsen was asking the questions. Oh, so, well. so me and Kelsey were there, and they went right, okay. So we right then, and Kelsey was like, "Oh my god, it's one of the download highlight show," and I was like, "Oh my god, that's like you know, trying to keep it cool and stuff." Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was that was really cool. It was sort of a really awesome opportunity, and actually, I'll be honest, like going back to that, I did really feel that sort of sense of community during yeah. those times. They, like during that uh, download TV weekend, that was an amazing thing they did. I thought, I thought it was fantastic, uh, and I did actually feel the sense of community come back to it uh, for that yeah. weekend. It was actually really cool. So, but yeah, it's just uh, just from like the uh, download forums and stuff, and they're definitely worth like uh, going on to because they, you know, a lot of my friends on Facebook and people who I camp with, I've met through the download forums. So, are the download forums on Facebook, or are they a separate thing on another website, or? 
it's literally on the download website. I so you go to the yeah, download yeah. website and literally click on forums, set up like an account and stuff, and then like, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's it's so like so I you can, like uh, have like music discussion, film discussion, obviously download discussion, and uh, you know you can go discuss yeah. ahead, like you know predict who who's going to play one year and stuff like that. So yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. Nice. So so can we call this podcast interview with performer at Download Twenty Twenty? <laughs> 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 love it yes <laughs> <laughs> that's a simple answer I am um, the one my, the last thing I was going to say before Reese uh, finishes the last question is um I noticed on your YouTube you you and um Nicola done the uh the sober challenge yeah um, are, you, are you still doing that how how did you get on and obviously it's a really you've done it for a noble cause if I remember rightly and um yeah obviously I drink like most people but just the thought of just not being allowed to have it, even if, like I say, if someone said to me, "Do you want a beer now?" I'm like, well, "I can do. I'm not bothered." But if someone says you're not allowed to drink, that's a different concept. So, how did you find it? What what sort of made you do it? And um, you know, I so my my uh, real daddy died actually because he was like an alcoholic uh, okay. back in 2006. So um, I've always had this sort of relationship with with alcohol that's. Uh, it's, I always find it. I'm always quite apologetic, mm. so I always feel really embarrassed if I go like just quickly. Well, I've got like a spa just around the corner for me, and if I go there to buy alcohol, I always have to buy something else. And I think it sort of comes from how, growing up. In like, my, my dad wasn't like a horrible alcoholic or anything like that. He just he just drank loads, and uh, yeah. unfortunately, it ended up killing him. Unfortunately, um, and again, like I've seen um, friends who who've uh, battled with it, and you know, just because again, it actually goes back to what we were talking about, uh, not you know, coming up with your feelings and instead people battle it with alcohol and, yeah. uh, you know, I've seen it do a lot, a lot of damage to other families. So I thought, you know what, like, uh, just for a bit as well, like, like you know, I'm not, again, I'm not the healthiest person in the world. So I thought maybe like coming off uh, drinking alcohol for a bit would be fine. But so I haven't got like an addiction or anything like that, you know, it's, no. uh, I don't have to have a, a drink. Um, but uh, he says after like having some last night but <laughs> uh, yeah it's uh, it was just one of the things maybe to get healthy but I think the charity side of it was honestly like uh, and obviously going on and doing a little vlog online was like to keep myself accountable yeah um, it, it got much easier I think the main thing was is uh, because I don't go out drinking I, I like to have like sort of stay in a drink like while we're like playing board games or computer games with my family yeah of course so it wasn't a big issue but my main thing was like after a long day at work I'd come home and like I think oh, do you know, I've had a long weekend a week at work yeah. have some beers tonight and it was like that that you sort of had to get over but if I'm honest after about a month it was really easy and I ended up losing like four today which unfortunately yeah. I put back on again but uh, and I did it again at the start of this year I, um, I did uh, a few months but then if I'm honest with that one once the lockdown started I did actually quit with that because it was uh it's just mean, boring being at home um, all the time. So. Yeah, <laughs> I don't blame you for a second on that one. <laughs> no, that's really so, cool because yeah. I'm. I'm saying it's something that um that I've not ever attempted, but it's something that I've always again like not for any kind of medical real reason or anything. I like, just because like you say, as soon as you take away the option of giving someone that option, you kind of think, well, I kind of want one now. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't have it, and it's like, well, why not? You know. So it's, and then obviously doing it for charity and stuff is, is really cool as well. 
But yeah, I, well, I've gone through quitting smoking, which was much, much, much harder. I've been yeah. quitting smoking like five years now, and that was horrible quitting. So uh, if you can quit smoking, you can quit pretty much anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, Rich, you don't smoke, do you? No. Good lad, <laughs> don't start. It's the worst fucking habit in the world. It's literally no, the worst habit. I mean, no. I, I used to smoke, and again, I was quite, I was quite lucky. I, I, I done it through college and stuff, and working. Um, I used to work as a chef professionally, but obviously, I'm not. I'm no longer in that trade because I ain't a mug. <laughs> Sorry to anyone who does do that, but you, you're, you're playing. They're playing you for a fool. But um, yeah. So obviously, it was difficult to stop. But once you do stop, my God, it feels better. Do you know what yeah, I mean? definitely. But race, do you want to take us home with your final question? So I'm going to put you on the spot a bit here. All right. <laughs> it's, the first, it's the first thing we've done with, with any of the guests, so it's going to be something we do with every guest. <coughs> Similar to Matt's controversial thing of hating on the Beatles. Yeah. Um, what is your music controversial opinion? Uh, that Deftones are shit. <laughs> oh! <laughs> there we go. We're not going to discuss it. That's the way it's going to happen. We don't discuss this. We just leave it. Because once we're discussing, there could be another hour. <laughs> that is it. That, that is what, how it's going to end today. And just let everyone, uh, <laughs> you know, settle. Is Matt that. still there? I've left. I've walked away. I've walked away. Can't cope that kind of. Wow. That is, uh, that is controversial. It's, it's a hell of a first controversial opinion. You could have played it safe, but you went. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say thank you so much, Andy, for coming on. You are been an absolute pleasure. Um, no, I've really enjoyed it. You are more than welcome to come back. We're we're planning at some point once we get because we you know um Rob Palmer, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's coming on, and we're eventually going to do. I know we we're just saying about lack of drinking. We're going to be doing some doing some sort of round table drinking kind of style, getting drunk and discussing everything and everything. Kind yeah, of that'd be cool. At some point in the near future. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It's been it's been awesome. No worries. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank, thanks, Reese. Right, we're going to do the whole fake hang-up thing. So we're all going to say <laughs> bye, but we're actually going to stand on the line for a sec. All right, okay, so cool. bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. bye.